Volume two, chapter seven of The Day Will Come by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seven. And from that time to this I am alone, and I shall be alone until I die. Theodore and his friend strolled across the park on Saturday afternoon in the direction of the West Gate, Cuthbert Ramsay intent upon carrying out his intention of introducing himself to Mrs. Porter, and Theodore submitting meekly to be led as it were into the lion's den. "'You have no idea what hard stuff this woman is made of,' he said, and then he told Ramsay what Lord Cheriton had said to him about Mrs. Porter on the previous evening, and how the daughter's life was to be made happy if possible without reference to the mother.' the harder she is the more i am interested in making her acquaintance replied cuthbert i don't care a jot about commonplace women were they as lovely as aphrodite i go to see this soured widow as eagerly as romeo scaled juliet's balcony did his lordship ever tell you what it was that soured the creature by the way that kind of hardness is generally in some wise the result of circumstance even where there is the adamantine quality in the original character i never heard any details about the lady's past life only that her husband was in the merchant navy upon the india and china line that he died suddenly and left her penniless that she was a lady by birth and education and had married somewhat beneath her i have often wondered how my cousin as a barrister came to be intimate with a captain in the merchant service they were at the gates of the park by this time and close to the rustic steps which led up to mrs porter's garden it was one of those tropical days which often occur towards the end of august and the clusters of cactus dahlias in the old-fashioned border and the tall hollylocks in the background made patches of dazzling colour in the bright white light against which the cool greys of the stone cottage offered repose to the eye one side of the cottage was starred with passion flowers and on the other the great waxen chalices of the magnolia showed creamy white against the scarlet of the trumpet ash it was the season at which mrs porter's hermitage put on its gayest aspect the crowning feast of bloom and colour before the chilling breath of autumn brought rusty reds and pallid greys into the picture the two young men heard voices as they approached the steps and on looking upward theodore saw the curate and his wife standing on the little grass plot with mrs porter there could hardly be a better opportunity for approaching her as she was caught in the act of receiving visitors and could not deny herself mr and mrs kempster were young people and of that social temperament which will make friends under the hardest conditions mr kempster belonged to the advanced anglican school and ministered the offices of the church as it were with his life in his hand always prepared for the moment when he should come into collision with his bishop upon some question of posture or vestments he had introduced startling innovations into the village church and hoped to be able to paraphrase the boast of augustus and to say that he found cheriton evangelical and left it ritualistic needless to say that while he gratified one half of his congregation he offended the other half and that old-fashioned parishioners complained bitterly of his guffaws fetched from aaron's old wardrobe or the flamen's vestry mrs kempster had hard work enough to do in smoothing down the roughened furs of these antediluvians which smoothing process she effected chiefly by a rigorous system of polite afternoon calls in which no inhabitant of the parish was forgotten and an occasional small expenditure in the shape of afternoon tea and halfpenny buns toasted and buttered by her own fair hands she was a bright good-tempered little woman whom her husband generally spoke of as a body the kempsters had just accepted mrs porter's invitation to tea and were making an admiring inspection of her garden before going into the cottage i don't believe any one in cheriton parish has such roses as you mrs porter 
said the curate's wife gazing admiringly at the standard gloire de dijon which had grown into gigantic dimensions in the middle of the grass plot i never saw such a tree but then you see you give your mind to your garden as none of us can i have very little else to think about certainly said mrs porter except algernon's sermons i know you appreciate them cried mrs kempster in her chirruping little voice algernon says no one listens as attentively as you do she quite carries me away sometimes with that rapt look of hers he said the other day i am half inclined to feel jealous of you mrs porter oh here is mr dalbrook how do you do mr dalbrook mrs kempster shook hands with theodore before he could approach mrs porter but having got past this vivacious lady he introduced cuthbert ramsay to the mistress of the house my friend is a stranger in the neighbourhood mrs porter he said and he was so struck by the beauty of your cottage yesterday that he set his heart upon being introduced to you and i was really obliged to bring him my cottage is not generally considered a show-place mr dalbrook she answered coldly turning her dull grey eyes full upon theodore with a look which made him uncomfortable but i shall be very happy to show it to your friend and his lordship's friend i conclude i don't know if i dare claim that distinction mrs porter answered cuthbert in his cheerful resonant voice this is my first visit to the chase and if lord cheriton has received me with open arms it is only because i am his kinsman's friend theodore introduced the stranger to the kempsters who welcomed him eagerly as one who came fraught with the interests and excitements of the outer world may i ask if our man has got in for southwark demanded mr kempster his lordship would be sure to get a telegram after the polling i blush to say that i forgot all about the election and didn't ask after the telegram replied cuthbert when you say our man you mean the conservative candidate i conclude you belong to us again i blush to say i don't belong to you the least little bit i am an advanced liberal mr kempster sighed with a sigh that was almost a groan a destroyer and disestablisher of everything that has made the glory of england since the days of the heptarchy he said plaintively well yes there have been a good many false gods toppled over and a good many groves of baal cut down since the caxon kings ruled over the seven kingdoms you don't want baal and the rest of them stuck up again do you mr kempster mr ramsay there are times and seasons when i would to god i could wake up in the morning and find myself a subject of king egbert yes when i see the rising tide of anarchy the advancing legions of unbelief the upistry of sensual science said kempster slipping airily from metaphor to metaphor i would gladly lay hold upon all that was most rigid and uncompromising among the bulwarks of the past i would belong to the church of wolsey and a becket i would lie prostrate before the altar at which st augustine was celebrant i would grovel at the feet of dunstan ah mr kempster we can't go back that's the plague of it for romantic minds like yours i am afraid we have done with the picturesque in religion and in everything else we are children of light of the fierce white light of science and common sense we may regret the scenic darkness of medievalism but we cannot go back to it the clouds of ignorance and superstition have rolled away and we stand out in the open in the searching light of truth we know what we are and whom we serve at mrs porter's invitation they all followed her into the cottage parlour where the tea-table stood ready and much more elegantly appointed than that modest board which the curate's wife was wont to spread for her friends 
here there appeared both old china and old silver and the tea which mrs porter's slender white hands dispensed was of as delicate an aroma as that choice indian pekoe which theodore occasionally enjoyed in lady cheriton's boudoir mrs porter placed herself with her back to the window but cuthbert's keen eyes were able to note every change in her countenance as she listened to the conversation going on round her or on rare occasions took part in it he observed that she was curiously silent and he was of opinion that theodore's presence was in some manner painful to her she addressed him now and then but with an effort which was evident to those studious eyes of cuthbert ramsay's though it might escape any less keen observer the conversation was of politics and of the outer world for the first ten minutes and was obviously uninteresting to mrs kempster who fidgeted with her teaspoon made several attempts to speak and had to wait her opportunity but finally succeeded in engaging theodore's attention have you seen lady carmichael lately mr dalbrook she inquired i saw her three days ago and how did you find her in better spirits i hope she hardly ever comes to cheriton now and her old friends know very little about her i am told she has a horror of the place though she was once so fond of it poor thing it is only natural you found an improvement in her i hope yes i saw at least the beginning of improvement answered theodore her child gives a new interest to her life what a blessing that is and by and by she will meet someone else who will interest her even more than her baby and she will marry again she is too young to go on grieving for ever don't you think so mrs porter yes i suppose she will forget sooner or later most women have a faculty for forgetting most women but not all women said cuthbert with his earnest air which made the commonest words mean more from him than from other men i do not think you would be the kind of woman to forget very quickly mrs porter she was in no hurry to notice this remark but went on pouring out tea quietly for a minute or two before she replied there is not much room in my life for forgetfulness she said after that protracted pause so without being in any way an exceptional person i may lay claim to a good memory she remembers her daughter and yet memory does not soften her heart thought theodore with her memory means implacability he looked round the room in the flickering light of the sunshine that crept in between the bars of the venetian shutters he had not expected ever to be sitting at his ease in mrs porter's parlour after that unpromising conversation upon the first day of the year he looked round the room thoughtfully contemplative of every detail in its arrangement which served to tell him what manner of woman mrs porter was he was not a close student of character like ramsay he had made for himself no scientific code of human expression in eye and lip and head and hand but it seemed to him always that the room in which a man or a woman lived gave a useful indication of that man's or that woman's mental qualities this room testified that its mistress was a lady the furniture was heterogeneous shabby for the most part from an upholsterer's point of view old-fashioned without being antique but there was nevertheless a cachet upon every object which told that it had been chosen by a person of taste from the tall chippendale bureau which filled one corner of the room to the solid carved oak table which held the tea-tray the ornaments were few but they were old china and china of some mark from the collector's point of view the draperies were of madras muslin spotless and fresh as a spring morning theodore noticed however that there were no flowers in the vases and none of those scattered trifles which usually mark the presence of refined womanhood the room would have had a bare and chilly aspect lacking these things if it had not been for a few pictures and for the bookshelves which were filled with handsomely bound books you have a nice library mrs porter 
he said somewhat aimlessly as he took a cup of tea from her hands i suppose you are a great reader yes i read a great deal i have my books and my garden those make up my sum of life may i look at your books if you like she answered coldly he went about the small low room so low with its heavily timbered ceiling that cuthbert ramsay's head almost touched the crossbeams and surveyed the collection of books in their different blocks whoever had so arranged them had exercised both taste and dexterity everything in the room fitted like a chinese puzzle and everything seemed to have been adapted to those few pieces of old furniture the walnut wood bureau the oak table and the old italian chairs the books were theological or metaphysical for the most part but among them he found carlyle's sartor resartus past and present and french revolution bulwer's mystical stories and a few books upon magic ancient and modern i see you have a fancy for the black art mrs porter he said lightly one would hardly expect to find such books as these in the isle of purbeck i like to know what men and women have built their hopes upon in the ages that are gone she answered those dreams may seem foolishness to us now but they were very real to the dreamers and there were some who dreamed on till the final slumber the one dreamless sleep this was the longest speech she had made since the young men entered her garden and both were struck by this sudden gleam of animation even the large grey eyes brightened for a few moments but only to fade again to that same dull unflinching gaze which made them more difficult to meet than any other eyes theodore dalbrook had ever looked upon that unflinching stare froze his blood he felt a restraint and an embarrassment which no other woman had ever caused him it was different with cuthbert ramsay he was as much at his ease in mrs porter's parlour as if he had known that lady all her life he looked at her books without asking permission he moved about with a wonderful airiness of movement which never brought him into anybody's way he fascinated mrs kempster and subjugated her husband and impressed everybody by that strong individuality which raises some men a head and shoulders above the common herd it would have been the same had there been a hundred people in the room instead of five mrs porter relapsed into silence and the conversation was carried on chiefly by cuthbert ramsay and the curate until mrs kempster declared that she must be going lest the children should be unhappy at her absence from their evening meal i make a point of seeing them at their tea she said and then they say their prayers to me before nurse puts them to bed so prettily and laura sings a hymn with such a sweet little voice i am sure she will be musical by and by if it is only by the way she stands beside the piano and listens while i sing and such an ear as that child has as fine as a bird's you must come and hear her sing abide with me some day mrs porter when you drop in to take a cup of tea mrs porter murmured something to the effect that she would be pleased to enjoy that privilege ah but you never come to tea with me though i am always asking you i am afraid you are not very fond of children i am not used to them and i don't think that children like people who are out of habit of associating with them answered mrs porter deliberately i never know what to say to a child my life has been too grave and too solitary for me to be fit company for children the curate and his wife took leave and went briskly down the steps to the lane and theodore made a little movement towards departure but cuthbert ramsay lingered as if he were really loath to go i am absolutely in love with your cottage mrs porter he said it is an ideal abode and i can fancy a lady of your studious habits being perfectly happy in this tranquil spot the life suits me well enough she answered icily perhaps better than any other you have a piano yonder i see 
he said glancing through the half-open door to an inner room with a latticed window beyond which a sunlit garden on a bit of shelving ground sloped upwards to the edge of the low hillside the garden vanishing into an upland meadow where cows were seen grazing against the evening light this second sitting-room was more humbly furnished than the parlour in which they had been taking tea and its chief feature was a cottage piano which stood diagonally between the lattice and the small fireplace you too are musical i conclude pursued cuthbert like little miss kempster i am very fond of music might we be favoured by hearing you play something i never play before people i played tolerably once perhaps at least my master was good enough to say so but i play now only snatches of music by fits and starts as the humour seizes me she seated herself by the casement with a resigned air as much as to say are these young men never going her long thin fingers busied themselves in plucking the faded leaves from the pelargoniums which made a bank of colour on the broad window-ledge you were at home at the time of the murder i suppose mrs porter said cuthbert after a pause during which he had occupied himself in looking at the water-colour sketches on the walls insignificant enough but good of their kind and arguing a cultivated taste in the person who collected them i am never away from home and you heard and saw nothing out of the common course you have no suspicion of any one do you suppose if i had it it would not have been made known to the police immediately after the murder do you think i should hoard and treasure up a suspicion or a scrap of circumstantial evidence till you came to ask me for it she said with suppressed irritation pray forgive me i had no idea of offending you by my question it is natural that any one coming to cheriton chase for the first time should feel a morbid interest in that mysterious murder if you had heard it talked about as much as i have you would be as weary of this subject as i am said mrs porter rather more courteously i have discussed it with the local police and the london police with his lordship with the doctor with mr dalbrook's father with lady carmichael with lady jane carmichael these having all a right to question me and with a good many other people in the neighbourhood who had no right to question me i answer you as i answer them no i saw nothing i heard nothing on that fatal night nor in the week before that fatal night nor at any period of lady carmichael's honeymoon whoever the murderer was he did not come in a carriage and summon my servant to unlock the gate for him the footpath through the park is open all night there was nothing to hinder a stranger coming in and going out and the chances were a thousand to one i fancy against his being observed once clear of the house that is all i know about it and as an old resident upon the property you have no knowledge of any one who had a grudge against lord cheriton or his daughter such a feeling as might prompt the murder of the lady's husband as a mode of retaliation upon the lady or her father i know no such person and i have never considered the crime from such a point of view it is too far-fetched a notion perhaps yet where a crime is apparently motiveless the mainspring must be looked for below the surface only a far-fetched theory can serve in such a case shall i tell you what i think about the murder mr ramsay asked mrs porter looking up at him suddenly and fixing him with those steady grey eyes pray do i think that no one upon god's earth will ever know who fired that shot only at the day of judgment will the murderer stand revealed and then the secret of the crime and the motive will stand forth written in fire upon the scroll that records men's wrongs and sorrows and sins you and i and all of us may read the story there perhaps in that day when we shall stand as shadows before the great white throne i believe you are right mrs porter 
answered cuthbert quietly holding out his hand to take leave a secret that has been kept for more than a year is likely to be kept till we are all in our graves the murderer himself will be the one to tell it perhaps there are men who are proud of a bloody revenge as if it were a noble deed good day to you mrs porter and many thanks for your friendly reception he held the thin cold hand in his own as he said this looking earnestly at the imperturbable face and then he and theodore left the cottage well cuthbert what do you think of that woman asked theodore after they had passed through the gate and into the quiet of the long glade where the fallow deer were browsing in the fading day i think a good deal about her but i haven't thought out my opinion yet has she ever been off her head not to my knowledge she has lived in that house for twenty years i never heard that there was anything wrong with her mentally i believe there is something or has been something very wrong there is madness in that woman's eye it may be the indication of past trouble or it may be a warning of an approaching disturbance she is a woman who has suffered intensely and who has acquired an abnormal power of self-restraint i should like to know her history my god cuthbert cried theodore grasping him by the arm and coming suddenly to a standstill do you know what your words suggest to what your conclusion points the murder of my cousin's husband was an act of vengeance or of lunacy we have made up our minds about that have we not the detective juanita you and i everybody we are looking for some wretch capable of a blindly malignant revenge or for homicidal madness with its unreasoning thirst for blood and here here at these gates is a woman whom you suspect of madness a woman who could have had access to the gardens at any hour who knew the habits and hours of the servants who would know how to elude observation my dear fellow you are going a great deal too far who said i suspected that unhappy woman of homicidal madness the brain disease i suspect in mrs porter is melancholia the result of long years of self-restraint and solitude the not unfrequent consequence of continuous brooding upon a secret grief End of chapter 7